it's done either through directly looking at um, your mother and a father and trying to get attributes from each of those. Um, but then sometimes... When two hops love each other very, very well. <laughs> yes, yes, children. Um, uh, but sometimes there are also open, you know, open crosses where... You, you know the mother plant, but you don't necessarily know the uh, the, the the father if it's uh, an, an open cross. Dirty they... bastard, stop out. <laughs> Comes in, nicks off. A hop in every bloody pot. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are our proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. And joining me is Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Morning, Pete. How are you? Well, thanks. And back from the tropics, it's... <laughs> Claire Burnett. G'day, Claire. It is, yeah. Hiya. We have got you there? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks. I know. Yeah. You missed me. I've you been got punted, around. You snooze, you lose. Yeah, even if you get in first, you, if, you don't, if you don't have the mic, if you don't, don't have your own microphone and recording kit, you know, you get bumped from the, uh, the podcast and then you jet it off. Talk us through. How was, uh, how was Cairns? Oh, it's bloody gorgeous. 29 degrees every day. Oh, it's lovely. What's it? So I think he meant how thing? was the work that you were doing, oh, right? given you were there in a paid capacity. <laughs> uh, we, we weren't after a weather report. I went snorkeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was lovely. Went to the Source Cairns opening, um, which was an amazing, huge venue in the old Blue Sky Brewery. Went to popped into Hemingways, saw Tony at Hemingways, Tony and Alex there. Went to Barrier Reef Brewing, it's near the airport. Had a chat to Cameron there. Um, yeah, that's the new lovely. one, isn't it? Because I. I have a feeling that was Matt when you and I were there back in uh, Australia Day weekend. It was in the planning. I don't think it was open. McAllister's, I thought, was the only other commercial brewery that was open. So Barrier Reef, I think, might have been on our radar, but not in actuality. That's right. Well, we had and we had a fairly busy <laughs> schedule up there when we were up there in January with the hottest one hundred. Oh yeah, that looked so fun. You had a good time because you were at Hemingways for that, weren't you? We were. It's so. a beautiful. It, spot. it was hard work. We did a we did a, a promotional gig the night before. We did we helped out with a uh, a bit of a meet and greet and a, a, a chat with um, then head brewer uh, Anthony Clam. Did you get to meet uh, the new head brewer up there, Claire? Yes, he's a lovely chap called Nico, um, mm. and they've got a little team going on there. He's just started and he's done the um, Hemingways Deep Creek collab. Because uh, Deep Creek are doing a few across Australia, and Hemingways were the latest, so I got a little pre-carbonated taste of that, which was lovely. Um, but yeah, it was the day after sauce, so I wasn't really keen on drinking a lot. I had a little taste, um, but yeah, <laughs> it was fun. And was and how does how does sauce look? Because uh, my only visit to Blue Sky, um, very impressed by the the scale of the venue. Mm. The um, brewery was almost. A, in those days was a bit of an afterthought and kind of tucked away mm-hmm. out the back. Um, but the, the venue itself had a very kind of um, uh, American college sports bar kind of feel and theme with the, the food and, and the, the look of it and massive screens showing sports. It was like that, wasn't it? Explaining it to Claire when, when she came back from Source, I was talking about it, you know, that they were almost too early in the craft beer mm. 
wave and it's a it's a very transient community up there with a very um segmented season you know so you've got winter which is your tourism backpacker season you've got backpackers and it was as you said quite a big venue and if you're not really playing to the craft beer niche but going for a broader audience it just had that feel of any other Cairns nightclub where you know they were selling you know they they had um, spirit and shot promos back in the day that you can't um, yep. have now. Yep. Um, lots of you know that promotional bunting buckets, buckets of Corona, buckets of Corona, which again is Source very would odd. Never dare, absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> but it's, it's very odd when you're running your own brewery mm. that then you're sort of catering to that audience as well, which I think is one of the things that made it struggle. They're you know, they, they weren't backing, that they were just a venue that happened to have a brewery as opposed to a beer brand that they were backing. It, it, it's a hard, it'll be really interesting to see how Source transplants that in a West Sydney vibe to Cairns, which is a very different um, feel. Well, well, do you? have they? Does it look like they're trying to do that or are they trying to sort of, I guess, play in, the, in, in that space rather than well, tra- it's a, transplant it's a, in their it's own a backyard? Hard one because I've not actually been to Source in... Sydney so I don't know what what their vibe is like there but in terms of how they've adapted it to Cairns it's this big airy open space it's more like a a cafeteria type thing um, than anything then they've got the classic you know big chalkboard type thing behind it with all the beers on and everything so it's much more like I know an inner city brewery um, than obviously not not having been to source um but it's really strange because it's right next to coral sea brewing you can see the coral sea brewing sign from from the bar at source and i was like this is really weird but the coral sea guy he was there he was like at the do and so they must get along quite well but they had to turn the massive fan off because there were lorikeets up there <laughs> they didn't want to <laughs> they didn't want to uh chop the little birdies up just have the, all these feathers flying down um so yeah i'll Queensland. see yeah it was yeah it was a really worst, interesting worst assortment gender of reveal ever yeah that <laughs> literally um it was a really strange assortment of people there as well like i met a few influencers like a swimsuit model lady and then a banana farmer and it was it was a really odd bunch of people but they had a great time and they Euphemism, or is that his actual job? No, that was his actual job. Okay, no, that's good. <laughs> he made banana powder. That was like his job. And I was like, this is very Cairns. In a weird way, it reminded me of Yorkshire, and it's like pro- sort of parochialism and the interesting characters and things like that, which was so it'll be I interesting. I don't know to if it's the it same one, but I reckon I saw that on Landline and mm-hmm. thought, because there's a uh, the bananas that are either, I don't know, they're too green, or but they're making like a banana flower. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, something like yeah. that, I believe. Yeah, and I think what he does is he puts it into protein shakes and things like that. Yeah, um, and because uh, because yeah, it's really... gluten free. Yeah, like yeah, a, exactly. Another yeah. alternative to regular flour. Exactly. Um. So yeah, really interesting. Really interesting bunch of people. And yeah, good luck to Mike. Um. Thanks for having us. Much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he, you know, I, he did put you up for a night. Um, seeing you were going out there, so we need to disclose that. Yes, that's true. I this is a blew you up there paid. so you could go snorkeling. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> I stayed an extra day so I could go snorkeling. I wasn't on the job for that. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, it was lovely. Thank you all. <laughs> Mind you, they're not resting on their lo- laurels in Cairns. They've ripped up a big segment of the... They're doing loads of building work in really central near the lagoon bit, um, making a big dining precinct, like a no-car, just a pedestrian-only um, dining precinct. And so, like, they are doing stuff. It's not just like they're sat there waiting for tourists to come um i think they're prepping for when they're 
they they can welcome everyone back again. Um, but obviously, loads of people taking a big hit. Um, turnover in tourist areas is, uh, in terms of businesses, hospitality businesses, is usually high anyway. Um, so I think this will probably end up increasing it when JobKeeper um, starts to get phased out and everything. But for the minute, it was okay. Um, we we spoke to a few bar owners and um, some tour operators and things like that, and they said, yeah, it was really hard, but and they wouldn't have survived without JobKeeper. Um, and help from the government but they are hopeful that especially domestic tourism will pick up and and hope fingers crossed um not get back to normal levels but get back to manageable levels i suppose yeah and matt and i brought up the point the concept of the crowd bringing a crowd and that these new venues um because there's there's plenty available if you're if you're a backpacker and you want your cheap and cheerful and you want your buckets of corona and and um you know the the old style uh, Queenslander pub, you know, with the the wraparound white veranda and all that sort of thing. There's there's plenty of those sort of places, but there's not something if you want to try something that's genuinely local or, um, and so these venues opening up um, so close to each other will hopefully create a bit of a precinct, like it's done in Marrickville. You know, if you if you if you really don't know where to go and you're in Sydney, it'd be very easy to say, well, let's just head to Marrickville because we can walk from one place to six others. Um, rather than them all cannibalising each other, it actually brings people to it. So when tourism does manage to open up again, it'll be interesting to see what a, uh, a positive impact that has. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right because the breweries in the centre, um, like Hemingway's and Source, are a, a little distance from each other. They're in slightly different precincts, but you can walk to them. You can walk between them. Barry yeah. Reef has a bar in a hotel there, which hasn't opened just yet, but I'm sure will at some point. Um, so, you know, they're all in a nice, they're all spread out enough not to, as you say, cannibalise, but, you know, to create a nice little, like, local type produce. I think, like everywhere, Cairns has been very much moving towards that anyway. So this has just accelerated it. Um, yeah, and hopefully it will go well for them. And we wish them all the best. Um, we'll start off with uh, wishing a group of people all the best in a bit of a negative way. But um, announcement, uh, Lion has announced today plans to close the historic West End Brewery in June next year, 2021. A statement released by the Kieran Own Brewer described the closure as a sad day for the West End team, for Lion and for South Australia. West End has been operating well below its full production capacity for some time now. And unfortunately, this is no longer viable, the announcement read. Um Probably the it just it was a matter of when, not if. Do you think, guys? Oh, look, it sounds a bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's one of those things. If you ask them, you know, it's always a blanket no. No, we're certainly not considering it. And uh, that was certainly their line when Forex was in the crosshairs last year, um, when the unions were suggesting that they wanted to sell it. But then again, they did close down the, the you know Swan Brewery, which you'd sort of think, you know, a very very strong state brand like that would have some security um but it's it, it as, as we love to say on the show pete it's uh you know it isn't until suddenly it is um mm-hmm. you know it, it it's in, the, in it, it matters until, until it doesn't does. yeah um and <laughs> insert you know, local insert in, traditional insert insert historic <laughs> yeah exactly like these are things um, insert independent and apparently I, I saw on their website um yesterday when i was looking that they say that one in five, you know, one in five beers in South Australia are West End draft, and when you consider that it is 
only available in West in in, in South in West, Australia. In South Australia, yeah. Um, I was going to say I've never seen that. <laughs> that's a fairly small, um, you know, and and that's shrinking. Um, your market share is shrinking. Beer consumption is shrinking. So the I, I guess the writing was always on the wall. You know, they they would have a spreadsheet that says at what point is this brand so small yeah. that we can't hurt it any further. You know, the people are basically rusted on. We can't really shed it. The, the the value of the land, the money that we save from producing elsewhere, is actually better for us. You know, it, it is a positive on the spreadsheet more than the negative that we get from closing the brand um, or closing the brewery. Yeah. If you had to predict, would you suggest there's going to be a great wailing and gnashing of teeth um, and pearl clutching because it disappears, or or do um, so? Do, do Lion uh, keep producing West End at Lidcombe or Camperdown or wherever? Send it into South Australia, so you've still got your beer, so don't panic. Or do they say, no, stuff you, you've taken every uh, away. They, they'll keep we're going to go to it. Coopers, we're going to go to local, or we're going to go to you know VB or or Tui's or Forex. Well, no, that that was the thing in you know 2013 or 2012 when Lion announced they were going to close the Swan Brewery and they committed to upgrade the West End Brewery to produce the keg beer for. Um, Swan and Swan is still there. Um, Emu Export um, mm-hmm. is, is still there. They'll they'll continue this, yep. as, as brands um, so long as they're viable. But if you go to the Lion website, for example, you've got Forex is the when you go to our brands, Forex is the hero brand. So that's obviously the one that they're um, still celebrating. And then you go down the page, and you've even got Furphy, and you've got some of the smaller, uh, presumably sm- Furphy's smaller than. Um, you know, West Forex. End, West End, yeah. the West End. is now, but uh, it's in growth. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you'd imagine like this is a. It was a 120 million liter brewery, so you'd imagine, and Furphy is around about 20, 25 million liters these days. I think maybe getting up a little bit higher than that. No way, even now. That's crazy. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe it is bigger than West End. Um, but you know, it, it'll still it'll still continue to exist. Um, I no doubt it'll take um, take a cut, um, but. Then again, you watch; they're going to invest even more heavily in um, some you know, some of the savings in added sponsorship. So they'll seem even more local. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in a way, <laughs> yeah. Now, um, now that as not we've local. discussed previously, nobody gives a flying hoot if Emu Export or Rushes or whatever is made in the state that they are. It just known has to be for. local enough. Yeah. It just it has, has to, to feel put it on local. the put it's it on the yeah. label. Done. Jobs are good in. <laughs> so, but it, 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 it's, it's it's feelings. Yeah, it is very nebulous, that. But it does beg the question, you know. Like, so you've got um, that they did upgrade the uh, Bogues Brewery, um, and I believe all of the Swan packaged was coming out of the Bogues Brewery. So, depending on how big the uh, brand is, um, the, the the volumes are these days. It will probably go to Lidcombe or Forex, or just even to one of the smaller breweries if it's that small. Um, or it'll come out of a couple of different breweries. It's really interesting, though. I was in the UK when they closed the Tetley Brewery in Leeds. And they said, I had, and I remember reading it, and I thought, this is exactly the same as what Lion have said. And they, Carlsberg, who owned it, said um, they closed it in 2011, 2012, I think, um, because it was the perfect storm of falling consumption, increasing <laughs> costs and rising tax. Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's exactly what they said in the UK, but this was years ago. And, I mean, I don't know, I think they have a clue about what rising tax looks like, but <laughs> they haven't been to Australia. You, you, you need an excuse. Like, you, you, you can't just, just yeah. say... 
It's not making us money anymore, so. Yeah, there's only half a dozen old blokes who still drink it and really we don't care about them. (laughs) Yeah, and they're not having a hipster renaissance like Rashers or something like that and growing in popularity, so why why would we cut cut our losses here? And yeah, but it's, it's callous. <laughs> it, it's but it's business, and and mm. and you know, again, let, let, let's not lie and say that you know small brewery, you know small breweries make chain um, decisions based on business. Their community or their business decisions are you know smaller and, and, and more directly influenced in, in in a way. And uh, you know, but it's that they have to point to external factors as well because... Yeah. It's not just us. They it's spend like so stuff. much time telling us how important this brand is to us and this brewery isn't... But actually, the, the, the other thing is when you look at the history of this brewery, there are so many breweries that have amalgamated, you know, mm. pre-Lion. Lion has only owned it since 2003, I Which believe. Which is relatively young. I suppose. Well, Lion's ownership of it, because it was yeah, South yeah. Australian Brewing. Funnily enough, it, the, the big thing that came out of it for me was Cooper's was nearly acquired by Lion. You know, Lion uh, back in the three times. 2000s. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like um, I think $325 a share um, or something they offered, initially $260 a share. Um, and they were able to do that because they had preemptive rights uh, over shares um, that came about when they acquired South Australian Brewing. And I started, it's a very complicated uh, legal case, I started to look at it, but apparently Coopers and South Australia Brewing had done a share swap um, with each other during the, you know, when breweries were starting to amalgamate and it was a defensive mechanism that they each became each other's biggest shareholders uh, or something so they could yeah, block yeah, a I've vote. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that before, okay. And... I'm not quite sure how South Australia Brewing then came to be acquired um, in, in in that case, but they acquired the Cooper's shares that became preemptive shares um, as part of that. So you wonder what would have happened if Cooper's, for all of the promises that will protect Cooper's legacy and will co- protect Cooper's history, whether West End would have just been folded into the um, uh, Cooper's Brewery um, or whether Cooper's... the um, uh, Leebrook, I think it's at Leebrook now, uh, or was that the original brewery? Yeah, they moved from Regency Park. Regency Park or to Leebrook, that's right, yeah. yeah. Or the other way around. Or whether it would have folded in, um, because you know, Lion spent $70 million just five years ago upgrading this brewery. You just sort of think that it's it's um, zeros it on a really spreadsheet. really not making any money for them to just be like, oh, sod it, we'll to, to write off that. And, yeah, but then yeah. again, they get to write it off. They probably won't pay tax this uh, year because they're going to amortise <laughs> those costs. Uh, or, or, you know. We'll be looking at that. That's, that's supposed to come out in December, I think. We'll so keep an eye we'll on look, that. We'll keep an eye on that, yeah. Speaking of making money, and before we move on to our next story, oh. I've just received a text from Kent Grogan. He's just asking <laughs> if um, Matt can exp- just repeat that bit about how to get $325 a share offer. And you have a, <laughs> well, a phone I, I, number I, I, for somebody I, I can give you an update. Um, a, number of, uh, a number of our listeners... <laughs> Listeners did uh, sort the of kick in news effect, a, a couple of dollars uh, to buy some shares. Um, and now, <laughs> I, I, Chase, Matt, do we have voting rights? Well, that's all we care about. Well, we, we, we did get an email, and it, it, it's actually in the emails. Uh, we, we, we got a comment. It is in the mailbag. You can um, jump, jump, jump we'll to it. Jump now. down to the mailbag. Yeah. Uh, Steve Hodkin in the Facebook group. You don't need five hundred dollars worth of brew shares to attend the AGM. If Nick has assigned you his proxy, even for one share, you can attend the AGM, ask for questions, and vote the resolutions. Oh. And that is very true. 
I think having, and my thinking potentially uh, uncharitable is given that Kent uh, doesn't want to return phone calls and you know dodges any communication and um, seems to be in a black spot any time that he's asked a hard question and the phone drops out. <laughs> um, if you have one borrowed share, you know, one out of the hundred billion shares or whatever are on offer, it's probably uh, easier for him to dismiss, um, you know, or or refuse to answer a question or whatever because we've seen mm-hmm. coverage of annual general meetings before where, you know, just because it's annual general meeting. But if we've actually <laughs> put our money into it, um, then we can stand up with a little bit of moral outrage and say, I am a paying, you know, <laughs> I just haven't been gifted one share from 2008. So anyway, so that, that was my thinking behind that. And uh, anyway, yeah. so... If I, I, I might come to Harvard. I have an existing buy order um, for, for shares at the moment and... Now they were trading you... earlier in the week at point uh, at one point four cents, um, and they're currently up at one point six cents. <laughs> and, I, and I refused to pay that two tenths of an extra cent <laughs> per share. Understandable, um, because again we're doing this to make money for our share for, for our brew shareholders. So uh, I currently have a uh, a buy order in at one point five cents. So because I want to get it at a <laughs> discount, you refuse to pay <laughs> no, 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 full full no, no, price no, no. in quotation marks. <laughs> I want full value for our shareholders because then if it goes up to two cents, I've made a twenty five percent dividend. Oof! Yeah, you know, return. Look and I'm, at you. I'm, my, yeah, the, the Bruce News hedge fund. <laughs> uh, all right, Excellent. our next uh, story is a bit more of a good news story. Gab's events deferred to twenty twenty one. New event dates for twenty twenty one: Brisbane, Saturday, April seventeen; Sydney, Friday. That's right, Friday the 7th and Saturday the 8th. So that's a a new Friday session introduced. Gab's Melbourne, uh, the 21st to the 23rd of May, which concludes Good Beer Week, and then over to across the Dutch to Auckland on the 3rd of July, Saturday the 3rd of July. Um, Check out the podcast with Gab's festival organisers, Mike Bray and Craig Williams, for all the details. But that's a a good news story, I guess. It looks sad that they held on as long as they could trying to make it work with the deferred dates, um, but I think it, you know, reality set in, particularly with um, Victoria the way it is. Um, and it just in fairness to the brewers, I think was part of it, wasn't it, Matt? To they got enough on their plate without having to all of a sudden, okay, yeah. we go, you know, brew your beer. Yeah, and I mean the the the, the timelines in you, you don't just suddenly just because they've got the shipping containers and things like that. Um, you know, as as I said, the these venues are booked out years ahead. The brewers need time to plan um, their brewing schedules for a special beer. Um, you know, there, there's so much that goes into these events um, that, yeah, it, it just wasn't. And waiting worth. another six or eight months too, I think, gives the public a bit more confidence to go out in public in, in increasingly larger crowds. Whereas at the moment, you know, it's especially Victoria, um, it's just Mask City, and it's you know we're not allowed to go past the end of the street and um, have to be in bed by nine. So I I think that the confidence factor will probably grow with the with the with the you know the deferred dates. Uh, while we're in Victoria, the IBA slams Victorian. Well, it doesn't slam Victoria Brewers. It slams the <laughs> grant block to some Victorian brewers. The Independent Brewers Association has slammed the Victorian government over the inability of some state brewers to benefit from COVID nineteen hospitality support packages. Around about two hundred fifty million dollars of um, which is the licensed hospitality venue fund. 
open to businesses in regional and metropolitan Victoria, which hold a general or late night club, restaurant or cafe liquor licence, but not a producer's licence. Um, so it excludes businesses which solely hold a producer's licence, and there are at least 35 breweries that are ineligible for government grants due to that licence, the IBA said. The majority of these have on-premise hospitality functions, and the list includes breweries that were already facing difficulties due to the bushfires in regional Victoria earlier in the year, as well as the COVID-19 restrictions. Yeah, and this so one... So you touched on this last yeah, week. Yeah, you guys discussed it, didn't you? Yeah. Um, having a chat about it. Now, actually, it's gone up to more than 40 breweries, apparently, because the Victorian... <laughs> totally shot ourselves in the foot. Because the Victorian producer's licence is so good, like, it provides loads of things that, for example, we've been fighting for in Queensland. Um, you can have a satellite bar, you can go to festivals, you can sell food, you can sell the people's drink, you can sell your own beer for or your own produce for takeaway. Um, because it's so good, nobody has needed necessarily needed a general license as well. Um, some people have for other things, they've structured their business in a different way or whatever. And now they aren't allowed access to a, a, and conceivably more than just the licensed hospitality venue fund. So when I spoke to Derek Hales, IBA board member and Bad Shepherd um, co-founder, he was like, yeah, actually, it turns out that it's a lot that we can't apply for now. Um, and I spoke to Business Victoria and the Department of Jobs, precincts and blah, 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 whatever it was, um, who is the overarching sort of um, authority on that, who make the decision about who gets, who's allowed to have a grant. Um, they were just like, uh, well, you can have another one. And the other one is the outdoor dining, which is only five grand, and you're only allowed to sell it on equipment and spend it on equipment. You can't sell it on salaries. You can't sell it on, um, spend it on anything else apart from making your business um, an outdoor business, effectively, because we're, we're all thinking that's the way it's going to go in future. So it's just a lot of confusion and a lot of unnecessary cutting out of breweries. And their response to us, bearing in mind that they have said previously that it is not a means-tested grant, so it doesn't matter how well or badly you've done in COVID, you can st- you're still supposed to be able to access it. They said in her response to us and to other brewers who have asked about the grant, um, you know, brewers have done really well because they've been able to pivot. And I was like, mm, yeah, but that's cr- that's a crap excuse because some businesses that have got a general licence and have pivoted are still able to get this grant. But and, and that's the thing. There, there's mm. inconsistency yeah. um, in that businesses that uh, operate that are effectively operating in a very similar way uh, aren't getting it because of a technicality, effectively, because of the. But they've made you know in in other times they've made a um, business decision about and and I'd I'd be really interested to find out why the venues who have the hospitality grants chose. Uh, who have the hospitality license that mm-hmm. enables them to access yeah, the grants? The general one, yeah. Yeah, why they made that business decision, you know, mm-hmm. pre-COVID, um, yeah. you know, what it was about, what it allowed them to do over and above the, the other thing, and also why the ones who um, just had the producer's license decided not to, because I'd, you know, you'd imagine that there are business decisions. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't mean that the government shouldn't look at relaxing the um, grants and giving it to, to these businesses um, or looking on a case by case basis for how they're affected. But I can understand, as I said last week, I could understand the logic of the decision because producers have other forms of business sale and technically it's, it's so do pubs and stuff though they can sell takeaway. If they've got a general license, they can sell takeaway food. They can sell takeaway. But that's drink. still ancillary to their core business, just as oh, in, nor- in normal in, 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 in yeah, normal yeah. times. Whereas uh, a produ- you know, mm-hmm. 
um, beer producers have nominally been about making beer for sale elsewhere, and the the tap room is a fairly new concept um, for for. Um, venues, um, you know, even when some of the craft beer pioneers like Mountain Goat started, it was what was it? Prof? Was it once a month that they would open the bar? Yeah, it was like the last Friday of every month. I think was the the very first one. Then it grew when they moved into their new premises, uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, mm. and from but, from like from like four o'clock till ten o'clock or something like that. And lots of breweries even now only open. Thursday to Sunday or Friday to Sunday or whatever. And, and that would be the thinking. So, you know... To be fair, some of those would be by choice because they say, you know, we'll, we'll just maximise our yeah. uh, efficiencies, yeah. whereas others it's council dictated or, or local laws or whatever it might be that's says mm. that's what we'll grant you. Yeah, And and that's the thing. And, and that comes back to why these hospitality grants, do I, I imagine, didn't automatically cover breweries because they're not perceived as being businesses who a hospitality venue most of their venues and, and no doubt they're hurting and, and, and all of those sorts of things I'm not arguing but I, you know as I said last week you know, particularly in Queensland when you've got the um, hotels uh, Queensland Hotels Association mm. actively lobbying against breweries being able to trade as pubs because pubs have a whole range of higher costs on them you, yeah you, you you do want to be a little bit careful of how much you make some of these production venues look like they are primarily hospitality venues over production venues because that can have some downstream impacts when, when you're lobbying for other things. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know New South Wales, but I'd be really interested to find out what it was that led some biz- some uh, breweries to take that broader licence mm-hmm. and some to limit themselves to the production licence yeah. um, because they've, they've made a conscious choice at some point either to save cost or to have you know a, a, an added string to their bow outside mm-hmm. of COVID. But, yeah, look, I mean... I, I, I would love to see the government support production breweries and make sure that they are um, able to survive. But it, you know, so, so we're just discussing the mm-hmm. technical niceties of how that happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, speaking of New South Wales, or Sydney in uh, specifically, check, 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 gets a big tick, tick, tick. The Nighttime Industries Association's check, check, check campaign, which was launched last month, has been greeted with broad industry support, including from Tourism Minister Stuart Ayres. It was just a follow-up to, we, we announced it back in September um, that the Nighttime Industries, Industries Association was being very proactive in, you know, they realise that um, whilst a lot of the um, responsibilities being put on licensed venues to be COVID safe, um, they recognise that it's the consumers, um, or as they used in the media release, the punters. Um. <laughs> Don't like that, do you, Matt? Not a fan. You can see him cringing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's the it's, uh, patrons who are going into um, venues that have to take a little bit of responsibility themselves. And if they want to continue to enjoy the freedoms that some parts of Australia have, then they need to make sure that they're adhering to social distancing, that they're you know wearing masks where possible, they're washing their hands and, you know, being responsible and taking some ownership for, um, you know, stopping the spread as much as they can as well. Um, so it's a, it's a really positive message. So yeah, we're happy, always happy to sort of help support that. Yeah. Speaking of positive, there's a record hop harvest, but a COVID warning from Bath Haas. The 2019 
2020 growing season uh, saw a worldwide increase in acreage under hops, crop volume and alpha acid volume, according to the latest Bath Haas hop report. Well, uh, while the global harvest was up, the report warned that COVID-19 could have a long-term impact on the industry due to significant declines in beer production, particularly in the craft sector, which, as we've discussed before, guys, is, um, I guess, primarily uh, responsible for the uh, diversity in the um, hop production over the last couple of decades. Launching the annual hop report last week, report author Heinrich Meyer said that in 2020, the area under hops increased by 1,100 hectares to a total of more than 62,700 hectares, with so the highest the production volumes in more, more than, than two the decades. entire Australian uh, <laughs> <laughs> area under hop. Wow, that's mental. That's 1,100 hectares. That's a lot of hops. That's a lot of hops. If you, um, if you think of that as pots or pints, that's that's a lot of beer. And the other thing is that it, it you don't just suddenly flick a switch, you know, sort of dial up the acreage. You know, there, there, is in, there is a lot of investment. You need to acquire the land. You need to prepare the land. You need to put it under sort of poles and trellis. Um, it doesn't – and then you need to supplant, and it takes, you know, a couple of years for those uh, hops to come fully productive. Um and just as this has happened, they've been hit by COVID. And, and that's where they signalled that, yeah, like, it's fantastic for the hop industry that we're seeing this growth and that we are seeing demand. And I think the forward sales over the next couple of years were fairly strong. But with craft brewers, and it, it specifically noted that with craft brewers relying so much on own venues, going back to our last uh, topic, that it really remains to be seen how COVID will affect demand for hops um, over the next couple of years. Yeah, because I was thinking, does that mean then that the lesser used, lesser known potentially hops will just drop off because they'll be wanting to focus on the ones that they'll definitely... Because it didn't quite mention in the report whether diversification of hops would continue or whether they would just nip that in the bud. Eh? And then... Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you, sorry. <laughs> I, it, I reckon, I reckon that overall the hop producers have worked mm. on the Corey Crooks principle of mm. the the bottom... Uh, whichever <laughs> yep. beer is the lowest performer <laughs> yeah. gets punted and yeah. will try Got something it. new. So I, I'm guessing that they would probably... Oh, but you'll uh, think they'll I mean, try something new? They won't just cut it off and say, look, we're... we're we're going to be safe. Well, you look at the uh, the whole thing about, I, I guess, the hop industry and the, the thing that's the most exciting. Um, and if you speak to people like Mel, Michael Capaldo or um, or Glenn Harrison, um, the guys, uh, OJ, um, the guys yeah. who are, I guess, involved in that, um, it's the genoming, it's the crossbreeding and that sort of thing where you, you kind of look at if we can get the best of this one and the, you know, the rust resistance of that one or the um, high alpha acid production of that one, but yeah. the, you know, bulk cropping of this one, that that's the exciting bit that, you know, the, the best uh, hops are possibly still, you know, sitting in a Petri dish in a, in a lab somewhere. Yeah, that's really I interesting. I don't think they quite come out of a Petri dish, but it does, <laughs> take, a, it, it, it does take a long time to... OJ, uh, help me out, brother. No, no, no. <laughs> well, uh, actually, we've, there'll be some interesting... It'll be news. a sterile container of some sort that looks like what we would refer to as a Petri dish. I'm going to stick with that. I've, I've, I've seen it because they do. They, they get... Because, the, like, under a microscope, they split them and that sort of thing to get into the... You know the DNA and all that sort of stuff, and oh, that, well, that, that's how they, that sort that's, of stuff. Yeah, I oh, know they. Well, they, they do. In, in fact, there's there's a very good video that looks oh, at um, starring yours truly. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just stand in front of the camera. I don't do any of this, but um, it was uh, a, a way of explaining the um, pollination process. But it, it, it's done either through directly looking at um, your mother and a father and 
trying to get attributes from each of those. Um, but then sometimes... When two hops love each other very, very much. <laughs> yes, yes, children. Um, uh, but sometimes there are also open, you know, open crosses where... You, you know the mother plant, but you don't necessarily know the uh, the, the the father if it's uh, an, an open cross. Dirty that... bastard, stop out. <laughs> Comes in, nicks off. A hop in every bloody pot. Yeah, that's it. But on that, um, and, and to, to Claire's point about whether some hops are dropped, yes, they are. In fact, uh, and we might link to this story, back in 2017, James Atkinson wrote a uh, story looking at, um, you know, back in when we doing our hop harvest report. Um, you know, the 27 harvest w- delivered Enigma and Australian Cascade hops of unprecedented quality, but four hop varieties were axed. Um, and those included proprietary varieties Helga and Summer, as well as Willamette, um, the open market American hop. Um, so those varieties were, were canned. Oh, so Summer okay. and Helga, um, w- which were commercialised. Um but just never, yeah, just... Oh, that's uh, sad, isn't it? Considering the amount of the decades that probably went into their development and then they were like, well, done. Oh. Uh, but but that's it. There's, there's always something to replace it. And it's the chicken yeah, egg true. principle. You know, do, do the, does the consumer palate drive the, the hop innovation or does the innovation inspire brewers to create new beers which then find an audience it's sort of you know yeah. or, or is it circular and, and a great example of that because this article refers to it as well and it'll become relevant later in the year when hpa announces its new uh, commercialization but there was an experimental variety or a development variety called hpa 035 that hpa was very bullish on um in terms of you know liking it, it, its characteristics, its agronomics, um, and they were getting it ready for commercialisation, but they just did not get a single brewer take a contract on it. Um, and you know, uh, but then you've got hop varieties like O One Six that apparently brewers are loving, and uh, you can't get enough of. So it it very much does. It, it's it's like anything. It's like hazy IPAs if people are demanding them you have to you have to make them and that's it and fun fact um 30 years ahead of its time if you think about it matt the um you know the the crop report the duke brothers remember they slid the um the hop report or not the hop you know, the, in the, the, in orange, the car park yeah yeah um to who, what they thought was clarence beaks but it was actually um Billy Ray Valentine. I, I um, think we've just had a so bingo check where you've made a pop culture reference that Claire just, Claire's just shaking her head. The fuck? Your homework for the week, w- Claire, is to go <laughs> watch Trading Places. Okay. All right. Anyway, uh, Drink West Fest. As part of the recent Drink West, Drink Best campaign, uh, where West Australians are being encouraged to think local and support their beer industry, although presumably not with Swan, uh, the WA <laughs> Brewers Association and the Dutch Trading Co. have joined forces to deliver the Drink West Fest a weekend celebration of WA breweries and beers um, held uh, at the Dutch Trading Co, um, or will be held at the, yeah, uh, from the 29th of October to the 1st of November. This weekend of local brews will be a tribute to WA beers and the nearly 100 breweries that make up this diverse and progressive industry. We've just been keeping an eye on you know, our good friends at Wobba, and it is interesting that they've gone... You know, they're doubling down on the local um, and just looking at some of the breweries on tap, you've got a whole range of, you know, very well-known independents, but then you've also got, uh, you know, feral um, uh, little creatures. Little um, creatures, yep. What else have we got? Uh, <laughs> pirate life, presumably? No, pirate life isn't there um, yet, but I don't think they've opened their Western Australian brewery yet, so maybe it's not... Oh, okay. They're not regarded, uh, but there is uh, Wilson Brewery oh. for now. 
Um, For now, yeah. As, as somebody posted in the in the Radio British News group, um, they had a little misstep um, <laughs> on social media this week. They the, posted a set of boobs to try and get people to well, apply to a job. Now that we've got your attention, yeah. <laughs> so it was. Oh God. So. So I, does it does it does it um, uh, mitigate the fact, or does it um, reduce the impact that it was a female who did it? I don't know if well, it even was. It was a female about. who apologised. Yeah, it was yeah. the um, she took the blame. The, the partner of the or the, the co-founder, um, mm. I believe. Um, she certainly posted, but we don't know who posted. But uh, yeah, um, I can't. If I'm honest, I can't see a a woman posting that. If I'm real, I wouldn't think to do it. But well, you but never then, know. You never know. That's yeah. You never know. You can never apply yourself <laughs> as a standard for these things. Very true. Very true. However, like I said on the Facebook group. If you need boobs to sell your beer or advertise jobs, you're doing something wrong. Like, mm, you, you've done it wrong. <laughs> you, <laughs> you do it. And look, to, to their credit, they took it down very quickly. They apologised and... Uh, yeah, the apology was a bit... Mm. <laughs> Did you see that? I was like, it was a bit of a brush off. It wasn't like a, we understand why this would be bad. This was a... Oh, I didn't realise it was just a look quick thing or whatever. And I was a bit like, yeah, but do you understand why everyone's kicking off about this? I yeah. don't think there was that. But then the flip side is, you know, there were comedians 20 years ago who made whole careers out yeah, of... Yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and I, I think we talked about the Dirty Dicks restaurant chain that was oh, all, you know... Horrifying. I know, it's, but it's, you know, there's a generation of people for whom they grew up around that. So, yes, we, we don't, we absolutely mm-hmm. don't want to see it in the brewing industry. Great to see that um, people uh, pointed it out to them and that they took it down. But, yeah, um, hopefully we will learn. It's a teaching moment. It's a teaching moment. Yeah. Don't use While dicks. we're in the West... Um, a pandemic strategy is paying off, says Gage Rhodes. Gage Rhodes Brewing Co. said its strategy during the pandemic has paid off, although it hasn't emerged totally unscathed from the COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, in its latest update to the ASX, it hailed the 54% quarterly volume growth across the business and the opening of the Atomic Beer Project in Redfern last month as exceeding revenue expectations, which presumably were tempered. Um, regarding COVID. So the, <laughs> yeah. they, the bar was well, set low. Can you adjust them? <laughs> um, so I, I, just reading this, did they, so it exceeded their revenue expectations once they had reviewed the revenue expectations as a result of COVID or? Uh, well, I don't think they had any revenue expectations pre-COVID. I think they developed it during COVID and then afterwards they were like, oh, well, we didn't do as badly as we thought. And look, like we were speaking about source um, moving into into cans, it'll be really interesting to see because this is really, uh, Matt, when we were speaking to uh, Foxy, Jamie Fox, and it brought back the wonderful memories of the old um, Redback Brewery, uh, you know, brew pub sort of thing in in Flemington slash North Melbourne. Mm. Um, That was probably the first attempt at, oh, we knew this was a, a West Australian uh, you know, back then, boutique brewery or whatever, and it's great that we can we don't have to go to WA to visit it because I remember the first time I went to WA, it was 1990 um, for a mate's wedding, and I still remember having to scrounge $870 or something for um, for airfares to, to Perth. Oh, so it, was, it wasn't just jump on the plane, you know, and you really had to had to, to, to sort of think about it. So having the availability of, of something from WA in pub form over here was, was really great. This will be interesting to see because as far as I can recall, this is the first time that's been done since the late 80s, mid 80s. 
So um, Gage Road's moving to the East Coast. It'll be interesting to see because, and the other thing too is, is I guess they have the advantage of having much uh, through social media and, and the Google machine and all that sort of thing, I guess more people probably know of Gage Roads or, you know, Atomic Beer Project as a as a concept. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, the thing. I think, you know, Gage Roads needs to get growth because, you know, they're a publicly listed company, um, you know, they're, they're a business um, that they need to get growth and they've just seen that their growth opportunities are limited um, in Western Australia. Although then they decided that they'd have that massive venue on Victoria Quay, which is cool and much more like I would have thought a Gage Roads branded venue would look like. And obviously that's why they've done the Redfern one as Atomic Beer Project. It's more urban mm. potentially as a brand, um, whereas Gage Roads is so WA, like it's named after something in WA, of course it's going to have those connotations. Whereas I think Atomic Beer Project, if you walk past that, as a Sydney cider, and you didn't necessarily know where it, where it came from. You don't have to know. You don't have yet. to know, and it looks like it fits in that that name. And there's enough interest to go in and check it out. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and that's the thing; like it's, it, it shows the power of brand to us because presumably the beer is going to be the same, whatever the Sydney venue is going to be called. Mm. But they need a brand and a fit out and everything that resonates with that audience. You can't just pick up and transplant um, a brand. And it's interesting too. Guys, I think that the fact that they're doing something similar to what CUB did with Matilda Bay and specifically Fat Yak. So Fat Yak was a Matilda Bay bannered beer, which then went out on its own due to its success. Um, Atomic started out as their American style pale ale, and that's now sort of become, I guess, it's its own brand entity outside of, but still attached to Gage Roads. So are there parallels there or am I... Oh, no, no, look, reading too much into it. But that's, yeah, they're they're just sort of trying to make it relevant. So, and the thing that we sort of picked out of this, wasn't it, Matt, on the Gage Roads front was that their contract brewing has gone up quite considerably. So, their whole plan was to, um, (laughs) to not do as much contract brewing as they have done. And then, obviously, they've counteracted the lack of revenue from what they call brand in hand, which is like stadium tie-ups and stuff, with the more contract brewing type stuff, which is fair enough. Well, the um, Optus Stadium over there has been closed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they're not making anything. And at the same time, like the the brand in hand strategy was a way to get people exposed to their brand and they weren't actually making money Mm -hmm. on on it. So it's revenue but not profit. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's it's volume. But it's volume. It's it's volume. volume. It's all about volume. Although they're – pretty much running at full capacity over there. So yeah, that's the thing. If you can sell everything without having to do the uh, brand in hand stuff. Yeah, um, nice. You know, I, I, I'd imagine that that's better for Cut out the, the middleman. Profit. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, uh, now, our last story. Now, <laughs> I'm going to throw to you guys because this has literally just popped up on my notes and I know nothing about it. Uh, the Nup Cup. Newstead Brewing has drawn the ire of horse race lovers over its Nup Cup. Discuss. <laughs> yeah, look, this is one, and it, it, it was one that we sort of discussed about even discussing because um, it, it's just come up in my feed. You know, it, it, it's local to me, so it's Facebook just tends to preference things that you're interested in. But it came up, and there's been this, you know, relative storm uh, over um, Newstead's plans to have an event on Melbourne Cup Day that you know, adopts the language of, you know, nup to the cup, you know, so people who are against horse training against uh, Melbourne Cup. Um, and it, 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 it's it's interesting to watch in one way because, you know, we, we've talked about um, on the podcast previously, how does a brewery take a stand for something that doesn't necessarily 
have, you know, completely broad appeal uh, across the community. And this would seem to be one of those things, you know, if you ditch plastic straws, I don't think there is a um, you know, audience, in, you know, that there is a segment of the community that is really pro plastic straws so you know so you know you're not going to lose any audience on that that's yeah. a very safe move to make yeah people yeah. might get irritated of you know oh, but i hate paper straws <laughs> um but you know like you're not really going to isolate it but with something like that is a big part of australian culture taking a stand and you know i think um newstead is a is a brewery that has very strong beliefs in in a, in a range of issues and they should be you know applauded for giving effect to those beliefs because as we've talked about you know, many times over the years pete you know you, you hate seeing businesses just become vanilla as mm. the bigger they get and i was more just thinking that earlier because a lion or a cb would never ever in a billion years make a stand like that they on would anything. focus group it to make sure yes. that you know the, the, the stand that <laughs> yes. they seem to be making is a very is, is a popular stand and, yeah, you know, like, yeah. You know, it's majority they're not going to lose that many customers on it whereas you can be a bit more controversial. You can stick your flag on that hill a little bit more and a little bit harder if you are a smaller business. Well, and Newstead are a smaller business mm. than those ones, but in the craft beer world, you know, they're yeah, still they're a bigger big. business. So yeah, you know, they, they have a lot, and as you can see from some of the vitriol that they've created on their Facebook post. But that's where, you know, like, and you know, applaud them, congratulations um, for, for, for doing it. But then there's just been you know some elements to the way they've promoted this event that, they they describe as a low key event, um, <laughs> but then the rhetoric they use is like we're all trying to wind you up, but we're we're chilled about it. Like uh, it's low key, and, and they, they, yeah, they, they <laughs> it, it's interesting you say that because they do seem to have managed to wind some people up with the way they've gone mm. about, rather than just saying, look, you know, for people who don't want to support the cup and want an alternative on that day, come to us. We're not going to do the cup. We're going to have an old you know an alternate event, but then they've uh, you know sort of almost poked fun <laughs> at some of the, you know, they've done it in a way that people that like the cup feel have been singled out. You know, people yeah, that yeah. like they to dress up. They feel like it's a t- an attack on what they are as a person and who they are and you can't, like, dress up like that That's and a, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Associating all these different things with liking the Melbourne Cup and you're a bit like, mm, that's not fair. And That's the thing, yeah. So anything, rather than just yeah. quietly supporting or sort of saying, you know, we're going to provide an alternative, they seem to have actually targeted people that like horse racing or like to dress up for horse racing or even people who eat meat because they've you know yeah. they've brought in veganism and uh, a range of other things now I, I i don't know that that was the intent but certainly that is the way that it's been received when you look at the the, the mm-hmm. facebook comments yeah, and people have kicked off 187 comments now matt that was only oh, really? okay. yeah so, that was way more so was than when we looked they put an hour ago night, so it's, it, it, it is going to be bigger so yeah, yeah look it, uh, we'll stand back and watch you know, uh, congratulations to them for having a you know believing in things and being willing to sort of you know mm. put their business behind it because that's what we do want to see um, but I, I you know just looking at some of the mm-hmm. comments I, I i think maybe the you know, potentially, I'd <laughs> yeah, look, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, maybe we will. Re- there's a, there's reach a way out of them. doing it. There's a way of doing it, and I'm not quite sure they nailed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we do remind all brewers who are listening: if you'd like to make a statement, um, <laughs> Rellings Label stickers and packaging that not only able to supply labels for your cans or their bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons, can trays, tap decals, uh, barcodes, shrink sleeves already applied to empty beer cans, ready for filling. So if you want to make a statement. Um, Call Rellings Label Stickers and Packaging 
on 1300 852 235 to discuss this further. The guys often get asked, um, you know, where would the where would, I've got a brewery, but where can I buy a shrink sleeving machine to apply the sleeves to the cans? Um, but you don't have to worry about that because the cans come to your door palletized and ready to fill. There's nothing more to do. Couldn't be simpler. Beautiful. Seamless. Um, <laughs> now, it's time to jump into the mailbag. Don't forget, all letter writers will receive a Deb Lou Bakes cookie. Have we got any left? Because a lot of we're getting lots of letters. We do have some. And, that's good because we might have to, yeah, just sort of, you know, just allowing for Australia Post. Um, <laughs> the cookies might be out of date by the time they get to Brisbane with the way the parcel post is working at the moment. No, no, no um, these, these are these are very well sealed, and <laughs> I have to admit. Have you so, been munching on some? Some of them oh. have been eaten. Have you been munching on some? Just purely to make sure that they're still. I have been. Apolo- apologies to out. all those listeners out there and readers and <laughs> commenters who have missed out on their cookie because Matt Matt's been go. a yeah. cookie hog. Um, <laughs> but all letter writers will receive a Deb Blue Bakes cookie if we've got any left and go into the draw to win a mixed six pack thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our Letter of the Week and who also presumably are gearing up, I would guess, guys, to um, to get their uh, Christmas and like their advent calendars and all those sorts of things. Um, so a shout out to the guys at Beer Cartel. Thanks very much for your support, but also good luck for um, getting all that stuff out. Um Particularly the Victorian stuff, because every, everything at the moment. Oh, actually, it's it's, it's picked up a little bit now. But um, basically, if you if I send a parcel to my next door neighbour, it goes to Sydney. Um, yeah, I've first. seen that. Yeah, Liam got some Before sent over yeah. from England, and it went to Sydney. It's, it's different then now Melbourne, because they've, they've, they've allowed <laughs> distribution centres to go back to a hundred percent capacity. Oh. But regardless of of their floor space, regardless of their ability to mitigate the risk of corona, um, there was just a blanket rule that you had to cut your Workforce by thirty percent, which didn't, yeah, perhaps uh, achieve the anticipated result. Uh, Now, don't forget, you can also uh, review us on iTunes or um, send us in an email to be in the draw for the letter of the week, and you can also join our Facebook group, which over five hundred people have done already. Join them. Uh, Just search Radio Brews News and use the password soapbox. Uh, Claire, hello. Uh, the first new ABV release from a brewery that I can embrace, and he's put a screenshot of stone cold filtered water to provide aid to Napa and Sonoma wildfire victims. Mm. Are we worthy of drinking that water? Matt? <laughs> I'm not sure we'd be allowed. Matt, I'll stick to my uh, Hop Valley Noosa um, H2O. Ooh. We've had a few that, of them a, in the fridge. That's not a sponsor. That's, that's just They're a very right, nice yeah. uh, hot water. And, and I do have to say that that mention of stone doesn't con- count as bingo because we didn't raise it. <laughs> is that how it works, is it? Um, and then we've already done Steve, Stevens, haven't we? Um, yep, yeah, we don't need the Yeah, cool. so Steve Hodkin, that was from the, the Facebook group yep. about the, uh, the brew shares. About the brew shares, yeah. Um, but Ryan Massingham on email says, do you think the bubble has burst on opening new breweries? I've always dreamed of opening my own brewery, but afraid the hype is running out. Speaking to the blokes at Happy Valley in Brisbane, new one, new one to Brisbane, uh, they seem to be going all right, but wonder how it'll go long term. Uh, and as for the show, love it. I always have a good chuckle at the ABAC complaints. Uh, how does ABAC work, though? Um, if a brewery receives a complaint and it is upheld by ABAC, does this mean that the brewery must change it? I know it's an optional code, but how does it work? So what do you think, Pete? Has the uh, brewery bubble burst? Or uh, you know, I, I did reply to um, Ryan in an email, and I sort of said, look, I, I think, you know, be very careful rushing in, um, you know, as with any gold rush. But, you know, um, if you stake your claim in a good spot, there's always gold That's to be it. found. I was going to say, good spot. Good spot is key on that one, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I fear for, I'm going to say, half of the 800 or however many breweries we've got at the moment Ooh. because I just don't think that there's the the physical appetite 
for that many. I think at the moment, if you're local, first things first. To find local, you've Pete. Got to got to make good beer. <laughs> Got to make good beer. Yeah. I, I think if yeah. you've, you've just got to you've just got to have that certain something, um, and and look, a lot of it is just dumb luck. So you know we've seen breweries in the past that made good beer. Um, you look at look at Bridgeport over in in Portland, um, but you know the, the just the changing nature of uh, distribution um, of drinking habits. You know West End drinkers. You know you can say well you've only got yourselves to blame if you drunk more of it. We we we'd still be brewing it. Um, where are they going? Are they going to, um, you know, gin's the big thing at the moment, or um, uh, seltzer? You know, all these things are going. Or if to, you open to, as a lager so brewery, the, the ones and who can, everyone starts can drinking hazies. You know, yeah, are, yeah. are you prepared to make that pivot? Um, but we talk about. Remember, we used to talk about everyone's drinking sours. And I remember speaking to Tom Delmont, who who showed me some figures that pointed out that of the, you know, at that part, at that stage, I think we were three or four percent of the market. And and sours were less than you know half a percent of, um, but 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 all the hype was around it. But mm. the physical volumes of sours weren't weren't that high. So same thing with hazies. You know, all you see is hazies at the moment. Everything's hazy. But is everybody drinking hazies as a percentage of the? Um, you know, we're heading into summer now. I'll tell you, so everyone's really making well hazies. Done. I don't know whether everyone's drinking hazies. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, the ones that get to the consumer without exploding, um, I, I, I assume are being drunk by the consumers. But um, look, there's there's just a lot of beer around at the moment. Um, I, I just think you've got to have a something. Uh, and a lot of it's luck. Um, a lot of it's being able to read the tea leaves. And I don't mean that uh, Pirate Life's Dilmar collaboration with have you seen that, T and Bickies? Yep, yep. yep but, but also having an intersection between what you want and what you're willing to do. You know, so if you if you're happy to be a small local, um, you know, have a have a, basically draw a subsistence wage for yourself. You know, buy yourself a job type approach, making you know beer to your local community in a small little um, you know local brew pub. Yep. Um, maybe be prepared to grow organically, selling a little bit. Yeah, and well. You know, growing, but you know, growth comes at a cost. And as as we've seen with some breweries, if you have to invest more in growing, then sometimes that means you need to, you know, then you've got volume that you need to commit to filling to to, to pay it. And that's when you need to work out whether you want to make the compromise that comes with growth, or whether you're just happy with a, you know, maybe saying no to people who want your beer. Um, as we saw at Moffat Beach for a long time, they just couldn't supply anything off site because everything was going in their venue. Um, and they've now taken a, a much bigger brewery. I'm with Mount Robson Culture, although, because we did that piece this week. Actually, with we, yeah, we, we, we didn't uh, include that in the show notes. A fascinating story. Uh, it's cr- really interesting, isn't it? And they did the same sort of thing as Moffat, but they were it, the growth to, or the, the pivot to production was prompted by COVID rather than they were going that way necessarily. <laughs> and they were doing so well in package. <laughs> they were literally doing crazily well in package. But once they opened. The, the reopen the venue. They yeah. didn't have enough beer, and they had to expand. <laughs> so yeah, look, it, it's yeah. I I I think good businesses, um, as you said, Pete, with a little bit of luck. Um, there's a you know. Yeah, but you've you've plucked two random examples there, which prove my first point, which is the beer has got to be good. Absolutely. Yep. And it's got to be consistently good. And, and that's not just winning awards. That's just you know this is a really good example of a really easy drinking lager, for example, or this is a perfect summer ale, you know, whatever it might be, but it's just, it's it, there's nothing special about it, but it's just a really good beer. Um, Moffat Beach and Mountain Culture, obviously through not being able to supply the demand, then increases 
the demand, you know, because there's hype around it. It must be good if I can't, you know, why can't we get it? Why, why is it only available in the venue? So, yeah. Yeah, but, but for those playing along at home, yeah, there's if you're not a signatory to or if you don't abide by the ABAT codes, then places like BWS and Uncle Dan's won't mm-hmm. range you, yeah, will they? you can say, I don't care. I'm not changing. Yeah, if you're a brew pub and you don't have to It's not like they're going to pull your licence or anything. No. no, no, they can't do that. They're not. It's, yeah. it's purely voluntary. It's purely when people do say who who might not necessarily be a signatory and they say all right well we'll we'll accept that and we will change our packaging that is out of the goodwill that they want to yeah. have with a back and as an industry and that's something i really respect when i see that as a, that a brewery's done that because they don't have to and it causes them a lot of hassle but they do it because they know it's better for the industry so well done that. Now, we Victorians have no concept of time because it's just such a fluid and uh, ever-changing <laughs> and unprecedented thing. Um, but I do notice that the big clock on the wall says we are uh, sneaking up towards uh, our time limit. So if there's nothing else... There is just one other thing. Just uh, Aussie Beer Pods ranking. We need to congratulate Step Brewers who, you know... Oh, left, yeah. Sort of left us bleeding Damn on the it. sidelines. You know, sort of... Uh, we're undefeated all season, and as Undefe- I said, it's the form in the uh, you know postseason that matters. So, it doesn't, yeah. so congratulations to the Step Brewers. Yeah, Good luck well done, this guys. week. Um, you know. So who's who are they against again? Against uh, Chris uh, uh, Lukianko. Oh, the beer healer. Beer healer. Yeah. Beer healer. All right. Okay. And that's oh, the grand final that. this week. Oh, yeah, it's because it's it's uh, queued up with the AFL and NRL grand finals, mm. isn't it? <laughs> I, so good luck. Yeah, yeah, so they, they, they've done. Yeah, they've oh done no, well. all the preliminary finals, so not the well, grand final, so it doesn't distract from the grand final. Oh so. right, okay, that's ah. fine. Then. But good luck to them. Uh, yeah. Well done. Uh, yes, absolutely. Oh damn it! Next year, thank you also, Next year we'll and have good it. luck to to crime alt to Relling's label stickers and packaging, and to our good friends at Beer Cartel who help us out making this thing possible every week. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. Uh, good luck this week, guys. Going out and doing things and being your own boss and being able to. Wander freely. What's 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 planned up there Mate, in Brisbane? I'm I'm just constantly spending uh, time at home, just in solidarity uh, for you. Yeah, you're not fooling anyone. That's bullshit, and you can <laughs> smell it from here. I, 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 I absolutely am. I, I am. <laughs> see, this suits me. I'm a homebody, so I don't I, know. I, if that's true. He gets a bit antsy when he can't go on holiday. <laughs> well, well, no, well, when I can't travel for work, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, I am we finding that, that aspect, um, and I'm missing a lot of good people and having beers with a lot of good people. Um, but anyway, get out there, get do stuff, just yeah, enjoy. In it. your honour, exactly. Um, uh, thanks very much, as always. Uh, thank you very much to you, the listeners, and our contributors and our uh, readers and commenters. Keep it all coming, um, and I'll leave you with this: drink fresh, drink local, look after each other, and wash your damn hands. And we're out. Boom. Nice boom. Good Thank to have the, the real boom back. The real boom. Yeah, I heard Jimmy do it the other week. It's like, no. Weak. <laughs> nah. Weak. <laughs> nah. Oh, brilliant. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au.